0: noisy with the kids in, isn't it? There's so many of them. It's absolutely amazing. Oh my gosh. Um, well, it's really um, wonderful to see you all. Um, we are kicking off um, a new series and uh, how we do things at St. Augustine's is we kind of do these kind of big, long teaching series. And that's because and, um, what we're really trying to do as a church, what we're really going for is how do we practice this way of Jesus? And we really think about this as it com- comprising at least three big components. It involves uh, practices, spiritual practices. What do we do with our bodies? How do we think about participating in the life of the Spirit? We're embodied creatures, um, so that's a big part of it. There's community, because quite clearly we um, are also social creatures. We need to have uh, the strength and, the, uh, and a kind of insight of other people to um, help us as we you know, participate in the life of Christ but also there's teaching as well. So we kind of think about these three things, teaching, practice, and community, as part of what does it mean to um, practice the way of Jesus in the world. And I think a key element of that is why do we practice this way? And, you know, what we see in Jesus is what humanity is absolutely designed to be like. What does it mean to be fully alive? It means to be fully engaged with God, it means to be fully engaged with what God is doing in the world, but also a real sense of being fully engaged with what a person is doing in their own life. And um, there's a famous quote by uh, Irenaeus saying that, you you know, the glory of God is humanity fully alive. And so that's what we're really going for as a church. What does it mean to be a human being? What does it mean to be a person created in the image of God? And uh, what we see in the person of Jesus is the very best um, kind of way of doing this uh, for our lives. Now that doesn't mean Roman sandals and, you know, I don't know, growing a beard or whatever it you know, takes, um, it actually means, you know, learning from Jesus how to really connect with God. How does it mean, was it mean to really connect into God? what God's doing in the world? And again, in, in what God is doing in our own life through the work of the Holy Spirit. And the idea is that um, what God wants to do with our lives is to empower us to do whatever we want. Now, our wanting needs to change. We need to be the kind of person whose wills are deeply enmeshed with God's will uh, in the world also. But, you know, the idea is that we become the kind of person that God can empower to work in the world and to do our work. And so the idea of being, you know, it's like, what would Jesus be like if he was in your job, was your age, was your gender, had your calling, had your personality type? That's a key question what we're going for. What does it mean to not only be with Jesus, but also to become like Jesus, and then do the things that Jesus would do um, if he were you? And the idea behind this is this idea of being yoked to Jesus. So that Jesus actually, um, it's a a agricultural image of how you train a young oxen to plow a field. And the idea behind that is that you would be yoked to Jesus. So Jesus would actually carry your load and you would learn from Jesus how to participate uh, in your own life and calling. Is that cool? So that's what we're that's what we're kind of going for as a church, and so we have these big long um, teaching series where we think about what does it mean to practice this way, um, and we're heading into one uh, this uh, today, and we've got a, it's going to be a nine week. Um, uh, teaching program. We're thinking about what does it actually mean to be formed into Christ-likeness? What does it mean to be a Jesus-like uh, person? And so it's really wonderful to have you in the room as we kick this off. And there's some people who are listening on the podcast and it's great to have them along uh, also. Now, when I grew up, um, I grew up in the church, um, and you know, I don't know if like me, there's basically two major points in, um you know that that was really talked about in a person's life the f- so if you think about this kind of mat as like a map for example the first point the most one of the most important points and it's right that it's important and it's and it has this priority is about uh this kind of awakening or engaging with the personal presence of god in the person of jesus like that's super important and you know the The church I grew up in um, really had a real emphasis on engaging with the work of the Spirit, engaging with the person of Jesus, uh, the redemption that God has for humanity through the person of Jesus. The other big point in one's life was right down at this end of the map. And the purpose of really this part of the map was it so that when you got to this part of the map, when you died, you would uh, go to heaven, or that Jesus would return and um, all would be well. And look, there's, um, there's nothing wrong with that. But what it doesn't do is really give you much shape or give you much of an insight to what happens in between these two points. Of course, down from between starting from here and getting to there, one of the great emphasis was yeah, go to church, which is absolutely right to do. Participate in the life of the community of the church, it's absolutely great. Maybe go on, you know, do all that stuff, that's all really good. But even that doesn't really kind of help you interpret the lived experience, because you know most people, as they journey from here to there, they find that kind of the journey of faith really has some big contours to it. And it has a real shape. Sometimes it's full of um, you know, you know there's disappointment. There's some real challenges. Sometimes it feels like you're soaring and flying, and it's absolutely amazing. But there wasn't really kind of a much of a shape given to um, one's actual formational life. So what I want to do in this series is to outline a bit of a map or um, different stages that actually the formational journey takes as a way of um, helping us to interpret, like where are we? Like where are you? How do you feel about things? To help you interpret your lived experience of faith. But not only that, is that with these contours, it helps us to anticipate a stage that's coming up and perhaps where uh, you're stuck. So what you find in the Bible is there's not only these points, that's the beginning phase, or there's kind of like a sense of connection with the person of Jesus, and of course there's this, you know, what happens when you die? Um, That's always a bit of a mystery, and we'll talk about that another time. But what you do see in the Bible, if you dig around, is there's some real hints that there are some stages to um, this journey of faith. So here's the first one. It's um, in 1 Corinthians 13. Paul writes to the church in Corinth. This is a famous passage that talks about uh, how two cultures can uh, become the one church through um, by loving each other really well. And it says this, Paul writing to the Corinthians says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. And what you see here with Paul is he's kind of saying there's not only a um, kind of biological maturity going on, but there's also a spiritual maturity that he's hinting towards here. Um, Also in um, uh, in 1 Peter, Peter writing to the church says this, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow into salvation the point that peter's making here and most protestants get a little bit of a theological rash at this point because you know grace is a gift salvation is a gift from god undoubtedly that is absolutely true but the imperative here is that you would take that gift and grow that It's up to you to grow uh, as well. It's a big kind of, you know, Augustine has this great line that, um, what does he say? That he who formed you without your help will not save you without your consent. There's a process by which the salvation we receive, or our connection with God that we kind of awaken to, needs to be grown, and we need to grow into that. It's just it's like a plant that's got a sense of maturity at one end, and that we participate uh, in that process. So it does hint of stages, or at least a formational journey here. Another passage from First John. John, uh, writing to uh, the churches, says this, I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven on account of His name. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know Him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young people, because you have conquered the evil one. And again, there's a little hint here of, of the different stages of children, young people, and adults, that a person's faith is seen to grow And there is also kind of a sense of change and responsibility uh, along with this. In observing these passages down through the ages, uh, many of the followers of Jesus and kind of the early teachers and leaders uh, of the church um, have noticed that um, there's this real contour and change in a person's um, spiritual journey or the forming of a spiritual life within us. The first person who I'm um, aware of who started writing about this is a guy called Origen in the second century. Um, Another writing about this is from our namesake, our North African friend, uh, St. Augustine of Hippo. He wrote about this in the fourth uh, century. Um, uh, Thomas Aquinas in the 13th century wrote about this uh, experience of the contours of the different stages that life, uh, the journey of faith has, and Teresa of Avila, in the 16th century also wrote about this. So what you've got is these luminaries saying that the life of faith, or this process of formation from their lived experience and what they see in the Bible certainly has these uh, stages to it. And when you draw this together, it's called stage theory, if you want to get really nerdy on the whole situation. And what I want to do today is unpack a little bit of that for us today, just to give us a bit of a framework or a map on what does it mean to be kind of formed into um, the image of Christ. Now, not only are we gonna be drawing on um, the Bible heaps, we're gonna be drawing on these ancient writers, but here's, a couple, here's, some, here's some recommended reading um, for us. It's kind of like syllabus shock, right? <laughs> I'll be setting an assignment after this. Um, here's some, some really great books I found very helpful. Um, the Critical Journey is a great kind of, um, these guys are from Fuller Seminary. They've done a wonderful, um, a lot of research on stage theory. Um, kind of combining psychology and spirituality. It's really great work. The Dark Night of the Soul is a very good book. We're going to talk about that a little bit more in, this, in the middle of the series. Um, An Invitation to a Journey um, by um, Robert Mulholland. That's a really just a good all round book on thinking about the different stages that uh, a person's faith goes through. That's a very simple read, but it's very well researched. And Sacred Fire by Ronald Rolheiser, he's our kind of, he's one of my favourite Catholic uh, theologians writing on spirituality. And all these books, if you don't have a photographic memory, we'll bang them up on Facebook or we'll put them in the uh, notes uh, for the podcast. But these books are really kind of going to form a bit of the um, part of you know, uh, the teaching process. So if you're up for it, I really commend um, you to have a look at them. Now, so how are we all going? Sorry, it feels like I'm waterboarding you, and it's very early in the morning for that kind of stuff. But here we go. So what I want to do today is kind of talk us through this paradigm, if we can bang that up. So this is called stage theory, and I just want to talk, you know, quite quickly and briefly, through these different stages of a person's faith. So we're going to outline that super, super briefly. Then we're going to think about, you know, which stage am I at? Which stage are you at? Um, how do, why, and where we get stuck? There's some really common areas where people get stuck, and then what to do about getting unstuck. Who's up for this? Yeah, it's going to be a good time. All right, let's go. Buckle up. Get a drink if you need to. We're going to be here for a little while. Um, so the first stage, stage one, really, if you think about this formational, how is God forming us to be the kinds of people who He can pour His Spirit into? This first stage is the stage of um, recognition of God and this can really happen at at any stage of um, a person's uh, life but it's a really it's a stage where you come to realize that there's more to this world there's more to your life there's more to my life than just you know, just material existence, more than just, you know, the next meal you're gonna have, the great kind of art experience you're gonna go for, the next, you know, promotion you've got going at work, the next binge watch, you know, apart from the Olympics that's gonna happen on Netflix. You know, there's a sense in which there's more to reality than the material world. The material world is very important, But the recognition of God comes in a sense that there's more to life. There's some greater reality that's sitting behind all of this. And this might come at the age of three, when um, when your parents, um, your mom or dad are praying with you at night. It might happen at 33, when you are in the midst of the beauty or the brokenness of this world and you find yourself saying, oh my gosh, What is this world all about? It might happen at 53 when you're reading books on I don't know whatever people at 53 read. I don't know some book on neuroscience or some book on creativity or you know some um, you know something you know and you just go like oh my gosh you know there is something bigger sitting behind all of this and you know and it can be the sense of recognition of the reality of God. It can happen at a moment like a real like a you know like a just like a. I don't know. It feels like a light turns on for some people, or it can be a sense of a gr- you know a growing sense that might kind of just um, kind of I don't know just kind of grow in a person's life over a number of years. It can be a very intellectual experience. It can be a very uh, emotional experience. Either way, um, kind of the spiritual formation journey starts with a sense of recognition of the existence or the reality of God, which exists just beyond uh, the material world. Now we move on to stage two, when we make two very important steps. The first step is we move on from the recognition that there's a larger reality of God to committing oneself to following the person um, of Jesus. And the second step is when we actually join a church, a community of uh, disciples. And the writers of The Critical Journey say this um that as this is kind of the next stage is this real learning stage. And this really frees us to explore and, and belong to the church. Usually our experience of God, our understanding of God comes through the perception of other people, through other teachers and leaders. So it's a very important phase for you to be choosing like where's a really good place to kind of have my faith nurtured but it's usually a phase of life that's kind of full of um, podcasts and you know, reading the Bible heaps and praying heaps, and it's this amazing learning phase, and it's actually a wonderful uh, experience to be um, a part of. What's also important here is there a sense of community is formed, that you get kind of embedded into a place and find uh, your home there. Now we move on to the next stage, stage three, if and when we make these important moves. Firstly, when we move from a general approach of this is how all people follow Jesus, so if you think about that as a big circle, this is how all people follow Jesus, and then you discover, actually, how do I follow Jesus? So you move from a general approach to following Jesus to a, a kind of an identity and calling-based um, you know, sense of what is God doing in my life? What what's God calling me to do? How do I follow Jesus as a forty-seven-year-old man or a twenty-five-year-old woman? And I've got this kind of, I've got this kind of personality. You know, I'm an uh, ENFP. I'm a seven on the Enneagram. You know, all those kinds of things. I've got these wounds. I've had these victories in my life. Um, I'm carrying this kind of stuff. All of which actually shapes your life, and all of which shapes uh, your journey with Jesus. So that's the first uh, thing. And secondly, it's when you discover your identity in terms of your gifts and your calling. So this is a very important phase that you understand the kind of person that God has created you to be. And that can be a very liberating um, experience, actually. Because so often is the case, um, you kind of sense which, there can be a sense uh you know, you, many, many leaders are extroverts and, you know, it's a kind of disability that we all have to live with, but um, which I'm doing fine with. But, you know, there's a sense in which, um, you know, hey, I'm different from that person, but and then, but my, my sense of God is completely different. And it's learning to discover that difference and to work uh, inside of that. It's very important to discover that. And secondly, uh, sorry, and thirdly, what's super important at this stage is you take, start, taking responsibility and leadership within side of a church. And that just means taking responsibility for other people uh, as well. And that might be, hey, I'm gonna be a part of a formational community. I'm gonna be like dedicate myself as a spiritual friend to a person, or I'm gonna be a part of the sit down, pack up crew, be involved in kids church. We always need help there. But you know, there's a sense in which you actually sense that this place is home and these people are my people. And you begin to take on some of the responsibility um, as whānau. And this stage is called the productive uh, phase of life. And the authors of the Critical Journey, which one of the books I was talking about before, kind of talk about this as a real doing stage in life. Um, where We're most conscious of ourselves inputting into the kingdom of God. And our faith is really characterized by investing uh, into our career, our business, um, or church leadership, raising a family. It's a very goal-oriented stage. Our sense of growth is usually based on how busy we are. We might be tired because we have had new children or you know, we started a new job, but there's always a real sense of the stage, a real sense of optimism, a real sense of actually I'm growing as, you know, as a follower of Jesus. And it's a wonderful place uh, to be in. Many people just wanna camp out at stage three and just rinse and repeat. You know, it's such an awesome time. It's just like, oh, I'm really enjoying this. Turn up with you whenever you want, Lord Jesus. I'll be absolutely fine with that. We usually wanna camp out here, and we only ever usually move into stage four not by our own volition. Usually God moves us on, or the great theologian uh, Jay-Z said, through the hard knocks of life. It moves us into stage four, which is, um, as it says, the journey uh, inward. And really, this, this phase of um, our spiritual development or our formation is exactly that. Most of our life, kind of in the first stage, especially stage two and three, you know, it feels like God's doing lots of work on the outside of us. God feels to be existing outside of us. We recognize the work of the Spirit doing that. If you think about like a tree, it's more like, God's at work pruning branches, making us fruitful on the outside. And then at stage four, what happens is, it's a very distinct change happens, where it feels like there's a lot more work going on on the inside. Now, it's not to say that in stage three and two, there's nothing going on on the inside, there's stuff going on on the inside. It's just a bit of a change of focus uh, takes place, but it feels like a decisive change uh, nevertheless. And this is a, can be in this stage, um, you know, it kind of can hit any stage, 30s, 40s, but or, you know, but it's usually around that time. And it can be a really questioning time, um, a time when lots of things come up to the surface. And we usually have a time of questioning, which is around, we usually at this point have about three or four boxes or a bit of an algorithm that we've placed God into, and we, what we discover is that just doesn't work any longer. God is much bigger than those boxes, and actually your life is much bigger than the boxes that you had placed yourself into, or the script that you were handed as a child to say you're like this kind of person or that kind of person. That kind of no longer seems to work either, and it feels like at this stage, who's excited about this stage, by the way? I'm selling it, aren't I? Oh, sign me up, stage four, can't wait. But usually at this stage, there's a lot of questioning going on. And it's right and good, it's quite a difficult stage, but it's, um, what God is doing is really forming stuff on uh, the inside. And one of the interesting parts of this is, in this process of questioning or, you know, as we're kind of reconstructing the boxes that we initially had God into, or the algorithm we had kind of God about, it can feel like this, it feels like, oh my gosh, most people go, hang on, was I just making all that God stuff up? Was I just an excited teenager? You know, was, I don't know, was there something in the communion that kind of <laughs> made me do, you know, put my hand up and do something crazy? Um, and you either feel like, hang on, my options are, at this point in this questioning phase, what I have to do is I'm either gonna drop out or I'm gonna continue but just fake it spiritually maybe for the sake of the kids. Does that make sense? You know, it's kind of some funny kind of relationship. We're still just gonna keep going, but we're just doing it for the kids. Um, so this, this is a very much a questioning phase. It can be quite, it's super disorientating, right? So, but it is just a natural uh, stage that we go through, and it's extra challenging. And um, it's partly because we've usually lived long enough at this stage of our lives that we've experienced a few real losses in life, uh, we have experienced some pain. Maybe that's through church leadership. Um, you know, churches are very imperfect places. And so often you can get hurt in, in those environments. Um, maybe it's a moral failure. Uh, maybe it's because you got divorced. Usually some of these things that have really marked our soul and it's really a big time of questioning. And what God wants to do is work into that and work uh, through that. And so it's a kind of a, quite a tricky... Uh, time and the way through that, you might need to take some time of silence and solitudes, go and get some counseling, um, or go and get some spiritual direction. It's a, it's a pretty tough time, but it's a very important time because on the other side of that is um, real, real goodness. Now, then we hit this thing called oh, let's flip back uh, the wall. And just this adds a little bit of extra challenge to uh, stage four. because guys are so depressed at this point. I'm gonna get through this. I'll get to the other stages. It gets better. But like, it's important to talk about this because this is actually people's lived experience of uh, faith. And um, we usually have this thing in the wall, like I said, usually in late 30s, late 40s. It can happen at any time. And it's really this wall is a very kind of, um, can be just a sense in which there's this stuff that keeps recurring up in your life and you know what that hurt is and you know what that pain is and you know what that repeated sin is. And you know what? If I gave you five seconds in silence right now, you could probably pinpoint it in your own life. We all know it. We all know that thing that we don't wanna face but it just keeps coming up over and over again, and this is the experience of being at the wall, um, as they say. And sorry, let's head to this quote. And the writers of um, Critical Journey say this, in a more profound sense than ever before, we have to let God be God at this stage uh, in our lives, and let God direct our lives. At the same time that we surrender our wills to be healed spiritually, we simultaneously begin to be healed psychologically. The wall experience is the place where the two, psychology and spirituality, converge. Up to this point, one can be religious, spiritual or fruitful and not be healed psychologically and vice versa. The healing itself is, a mysterious, is, is mysterious and profound for it is the soul that uh, is healed. And we move on to stage five um, when we come to find or come to accept the reality of our lives and we allow our experience and we kind of really allow God to love us as the person that we are, not the person that we've been trying to sell to everybody else. It's a coming to accept the reality of who we are and allowing God, and allowing ourselves to experience God's uh, love for that kind of person. Um, You know, And usually, on the other side of this is a great sense of release, a great sense of joy, a great sense um, of boldness, and a really a sense of which we can really abandon ourselves to the will of God. We can accept that this comes with some real risk, but we'd much rather go with it uh, than not uh, go with it. So this is a really, you're kind of entering into a real golden phase. I really love what um, M. Scott Peck's uh, definition of mental health, which is, um, a dedica- which is dedication to reality at all costs. It's such a great line, isn't it? Dedication to reality at all costs. And this is a stage where the reality of, we can come to accept the reality of our lives and allow God to love us in the reality uh, of our lives. What's so interesting at this point, oh, I've got another, great, another big quote here. Um, from these guys. They said, once parts of the deep, excruciating inward journey has been experienced, the natural outcome is to venture outside of oneself, centeredness, back into the active world with a new sense of fulfillment. This is the outward journey, a venture outside of our or oh, out of self, sorry, outside our self-interests to others based on the growth and peace of mind we have experienced from the inner journey. This outward venture may or may not be different from our previous direction, but our focus is different. Our focus is outward, but from a new grounded center of ourselves. And we move from this point. This is, a, at this point in our spiritual lives, what can happen is there's a real sense in which we have, like, accomplishment and progress and career progression. They're all important things, but they don't actually mean so much to us now. We realize that actually God loves us for who we are, not what we do. But actually, what's so interesting about this phase, it actually releases us to love our accomplishments, to love our career, and love our the accumulation of things, and love our family even more, because these things have been freed. We see these um, elements in our lives as real gifts to be enjoyed, uh, not God's to serve. So it can be a moment of real boldness in one's life and a real kind of new uh, kickstart into one's career and uh, one's relationships also. Um, and then we move on to what's the fifth stage, um, which is this, as, the, um, as it says here, it's this is kind of the embodiment um, of uh, love. This stage sets it up for people into this transition transition called the life uh, of love. And I'm not there yet, and that's only because I'm too young. But um, you know, when I was writing this, I had you know, a few people in mind, and maybe you've got a few people in your mind that know who just somehow embody something of the love of God. You know, as um, I was writing this um, talk uh, during the week, I had a few people come to mind who are really at the stage of their formation. Um, many of them are retired, many of them have been uh, followers of Jesus uh, longer than I've been alive, all are like super engaged with life. All are super generous with their lives. And there's kind of a lightness of touch to their life and kind of a sense of joy that, you know, why well, everything's going to be fine. And it's, it's, they're amazing people uh, to be around. There's a sense in which God has formed their life and continues to pour his spirit into their lives, and there's just kind of a a lightness and a freeness um, about all of that. Um, Writing about this stage, the guys at Critical Journey say this, at this stage, we reflect God to others in the world more clearly and consistently than we ever thought possible. This factor allows us to do the most extraordinary things. We're at peace with ourselves, fully conscious of being the person God has created us to be. Obedience comes very naturally without deliberation because we are so immersed in God's work, whatever that may be, such as in the field, the school, the home, the corporation, or the neighbourhood. We have little ambition for being well-known, rich, successful, noteworthy, goal oriented or spiritual. We are like vessels into which God pours His Spirit, constantly overflowing. So pervasive is the presence of the Spirit in our lives that we may not even be particularly conscious of doing something of the Spirit. We are, of, oh, we are oblivious to the Spirit because we are accustomed to God moving very naturally through our lives unexpectedly and assuredly. <sighs> That's it. Got that? It's pretty easy, right? Just coast through. Um, If we can flick back to this, Um, this is just a really a map and a framework, really. It's just a bit of a helping, uh, to help us to kind of what we can expect and some things that we can anticipate. And hopefully, as we've kind of gone through that, you've been able to maybe locate where you are at uh, yourself. Now, this is just, like I said, it's just a diagram and, you know, or or a map, which is just a two-dimensional representation of a three-dimensional reality. And so, often is the case with, it's more like, if you could tilt this, it's more like your it's more like a spiral where we go to some stages more than others. And sometimes we get to one point and then we return back. And sometimes it feels like we're at two stages at the same time. And look. Like all of the stuff we do here at St. Augustine's or in spiritual practices, if this works for you, great, work with it. If it doesn't, don't worry about it. it you know, It's a framework, it's supposed to work for you. You don't squeeze yourself uh, into the, the framework. Is that cool? It's supposed to be helpful uh, to you. Now I just wanna have a, I wanna come into land, believe it or not, in a few minutes, but I just wanna talk really briefly on where we can get stuck and the common areas where we do get stuck and how to get uh, unstuck. Because do you know what? Everybody gets stuck. Welcome to humanity. You know, everyone gets stuck at certain stages along here. The real tragedy is when people don't get unstuck. Right, so we all get stuck. The question is how do we get unstuck? And we usually get stuck at stage one, for example, when we don't make that transition from um, this kind of the bigger reality of experiencing God to making that commitment to following Jesus. And we usually get stuck at that stage, particularly if we don't find a church to become a part of and we don't actually get some teaching about what does it mean to follow Jesus. It's one of the key reasons why we put so much emphasis on our children's work and uh, our youth work as well, because we wanna supply our kids, we wanna supply ourselves also with a real map of what does it mean to follow Jesus, not just be in touch with some amorphous reality called God. So that's the first point where you can get stuck, where you don't make that transition. You can also get stuck at stage two, for example, the life of discipleship, where we kind of get uh, given a couple of boxes through which we can understand God and our lives together. But sometimes that can get a bit calcified and a bit strong and we can develop a kind of us versus them mentality or just very black and white thinking. And we can get stuck at that stage because we get stuck in that black and white world and we don't kind of allow that to progress and move on. We can also get stuck at stage two if you've ever, um, if you've got a church wound or something's happened that hasn't been sorted out and worked through. And if that is you and I, that's happened to me, then you kind of just need to work through that. Go and get some counseling, go and get some spiritual direction, do whatever you need to do, but it's a very common area uh, to get stuck. At stage uh, three, let me just make sure I've got my notes here on this one. Um, yeah, what can happen at stage three is that we can usually get stuck there when, um, our, when we continue, we actually become or the ego basically just continues to basically work out of the metrics of the of materialism, where our work is all about trying to hit kind of those metrics and not really engage with what does God want from my life. Or we get caught in a performance culture, just trying to please other people, please our friendship group. This is a moment where our life is very productive, but we can get caught in thinking that we're we're the kind of person we are because of our performance and therefore worthy of love, not this, that we've become a certain kind of, you know, we're not loved for uh, who we are. People get stuck at uh, stage four, the inward journey, when we can actually get too obsessed about what's going on on the inside. Like, it's very important work. And uh, we need to go through that work of reconstructing some of the initial boxes that we were given about God and given about ourselves. But sometimes we never get out the other side of that into a reconstruction phase, Does that make sense? We are always kind of go loop around with that. Or we can get stuck just kind of internally focusing on in what is my Enneagram number, what are my strengths, and we just kind of get a little bit introverted and stuck at that phase, and we don't uh, progress through that. And then basically, if you make it through uh, stage four, no one basically gets stuck, stuck at stage five or six, which is really great, right? The key here, just stay alive. Just stay alive, and it's going to be a good time, right? Just go to the gym, go on the diet, whatever you need to do. Just stay alive, and it gets a lot easier through then. Probably a really great question to ask ask yourself at this point is, where am I stuck? Where am I stuck? You know, there's, um, we get, all get stuck at um, many stages along the way. So a good question is to be thinking about this week, and you might want to talk with us with a friend, or with your spiritual director, or I don't know, just spend some time in silence and solitude, thinking about, hey, where am I stuck? And where is God inviting me uh, on uh, into a different stage? What am I stuck on? What's the Spirit bringing up that um, He wants to mold and shape or root out of uh, your life. Now if I had to plot where I am, I'm stuck at the wall. And I've probably been here for the last three years. And if anyone else is stuck at the wall, don't have to raise your hand. But man, it's actually not a fun time. It actually pretty much sucks being uh, at the wall. Um, And I've been here for, like I said, for a little while. And Look, I know that God wants to form maturity in me, but what I realize is actually sometimes that forming of the spiritual life can be a pretty painful process. And what God wants to do is, um, you know, there's a few things that keep recurring, and that what Jesus is asking me to do is to let go of a few things, and it's kind of like, eh, eh. and I know that it's the right thing to do, and I want to trust Jesus more into this, but man, it is hard work. Man, it's re- I, just don't wanna, I just don't wanna confront this stuff. I don't want Jesus to take this, you know, there is pain there, Jesus wants to lift that out, but it's like, man, I just like wanna say, you know, I'm okay with a bit of immaturity in my life, and you know, I'm okay at working at 70%. Lots of people do that, right? Lots of people, you know, can just settle and seem to be doing fine. But what I've found is Jesus is so jolly persistent It's just so annoyingly persistent, in fact. And you know, Jesus is actually more, seems to be more um, dedicated to my maturity than I am, and so I'm back at the wall again, and Jesus is working um, some stuff through my life and out uh, through my life through this uh, stage in the wall. And look, there's great things on the other side, but it is a real process uh, to work uh, through that. And so my encouragement really is, as we think about this, and if you're stuck somewhere, if you're at a wall, what I'm wanting to encourage you to do is don't ring the bell. Don't tap out. Think about what the work that this Holy Spirit is doing in your life. You know, it's, um, it's deep work that you know, God is deeply committed to not only to get you to heaven when you die, that's the easiest part in the world. You've got to remember that. The hardest part and the longest work is to forming us into the person of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is deeply, deeply committed to this work, probably more committed to it than you are, because there's so much good on the other side. There is so much good. This life of freedom, this life of boldness, this life of walking in the Spirit, this life of kind of stepping into the authority of God, that's what the Lord has in mind for you. It's just a process through which we are formed uh, into that. So wherever you're at today, you know, maybe you're just beginning this journey. Maybe you're midway through. Maybe you're at the wall with me having a great time. Um, but what I'm just what I want to encourage you to do uh, today is to stick with Jesus. He's sticking with you and to remind you again that God is for you. God is more for you and more about your formation that you become a person, you know, really fully alive and really cranking than probably we'd ever dare to think, ever dare to think about that. So much so, He would come, die on a cross, be resurrected, raised for, for us, for the sake of the world. Is that cool? You guys have done so well. That's the first one done, nine to go. So great. Hey, let's stand together. I'm gonna lead us in prayer.